Chart Podcast is perfect for the high-performing business-minded individuals who want to work with their biochemistry to achieve success and optimal health. It's Friday, which means it's time for friends sharing facts about health, business, and overall success. In today's episode, we talk to Dr. Mike Michael Platt. Dr. Michael Platt is board certified in internal medicine and president of Platt Wellness Center and one of the most well-known specialists in natural hormone replacement, successfully treating thousands of patients all over the world and even here in Australia. Michael has also had a, is a regular author of his book, Adrenaline Dominance, being the only book ever written that explores how excess adrenaline affects our body. Michael also has written other books like Mir The Miracle of Bioidentical Hormones. In 1995, Michael, Dr. Michael Platt opened a clinic in Palm Desert, California, where he began employing his Platt Protocol, a natural approach to hormone balance and wellness. In 1997, the Platt Wellness Center became a leadership a leader in the research and advancement of the therapeutic use of progesterone cream, as well as other bioidentical hormones. Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast, Dr. Platt. <clears throat> Glad to be here. <laughs> I am so excited to have you here. And we def the audience is definitely in for an amazing podcast because the information that you're going to share with us today, they probably haven't heard of before. So thank you for joining us. Well, <clears throat> I'm glad to be here. So before we get into it, let's get to know you a little bit. So what does Dr. Michael do when he's not researching um, and doing all of these amazing things about wellness? What do you do in your spare time? What are your hobbies? Spare time, what, a, what an interesting concept. Um, well, I didn't, to be honest with you, I, I really don't have any hobbies. I, I used to collect old rock and roll records. If, I don't know if that counts. <clears throat> And I, I wish I knew medicine like I know old rock and roll. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I enjoy reading. I enjoy, you know, movies, you know, the usual. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> my exercise consists of walking to my car. Um, so. Amazing. I, yeah. I used, so what type yeah. of rock and roll? What's your favorite rock and roll song at the, uh, that you have? Well, um, <clears throat> the. Um, I guess. The, um, there's a fellow named Stephen Hunter who, I, I, who writes about a sniper. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy books that take, uh, include revenge and, you know, um, violence. <laughs> the usual. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. Well, let's get into finding out what, um, you're all about and the key turning points that have led you to where you are now, because, you know, you've done some absolutely amazing research on hormones and you've written an amazing book and you've also opened up your own clinic. So what has led you through your life to go onto that journey? Was there a point in your life where you said, you know what, I want to be a doctor or, you know what, I'm really interested in hormones. What was the leading point to it? Well, <clears throat> first of all, people should really understand that doctors get no training in hormones. And I hate to tell them this, but the, the doctors that have the least amount of training in hormones are gynecologists. And those are the ones that take care of women. But women should be aware that they <clears throat> that they should take everything they hear with a grain of salt when they talk to a gynecologist. And I don't say that lightly. It just, <clears throat> one of my pet peeves is the, is the whole medical system. It, it just, you know, doctors are not trained the way they should be trained. They get no training in terms of the cause of illness. Um, and, and the reason for this, if people wonder why, why, why is it like this? Well, drug companies control medicine. And to be honest with you, drug companies have no interest in people being healthy. You know, it's the last thing they want. But they control what doctors learn in medical school. They control the medical boards. They control the FDA. I mean, that. that. <clears throat> but in any event, the, the reason I got involved with hormones was not because of anything I learned in medical school. Uh, what happened was my mother died of breast cancer at the age of six, 61. She was very young when she died. That's very and young. Right after she, yeah, well, so right after she died, I realized that I had inherited her hormones. You know, people may not think about it, but men and women have the identical hormones, different levels, but the same hormones. And the fact that she had breast cancer right away told me that she was low in progesterone because that is the hormone that does block, you know, block estrogen. And at the same time, she had a belly on her. And 
the thing about fat around the middle, the only thing that puts fat around the middle is insulin. So I knew that she had high, <laughs> four, four rescue dogs. Um, We're probably going to see them in the background here, aren't we? I love it. <laughs> possibly. Um, <clears throat> so, I, so I knew that, you know, she, she was high in levels of insulin and she had high levels of estrogen. And at that time, um, when I was driving, I used to have to slap my face when I was driving, trying to keep my eyes open. And so that's a low blood sugar. And what causes low blood sugars is too much insulin. So I've, I thought, well, maybe if I have a problem with insulin, and my mother had a problem with cancer because of a lack of progesterone, I said, well, maybe I'm missing progesterone. So I started using progesterone cream. And what happened, I never got sleepy again in a car, I mean, immediately. So that sort of awakened my interest in bioidentical hormones. And <clears throat> so I learned as much as I could about them. And, and I started specializing in hormones. And what was very fortunate for me is that <clears throat> I allowed myself to sit down with patients for two hours with each patient. And that, that's a luxury because doctors don't do that. You know, they usually have 10 minutes if you're lucky. And, um, and when you sit down and talk to a patient, you learn about who they are and what happens to them. And, and <clears throat> so whenever people read my books, they, they will notice there are no references in my books, you, you know, to articles or books, because everything I have learned, I have learned from my patients, just talking to them and observing. And, you know, so you can actually call that observational-based medicine. But keep in mind that doctors put a lot of credence in what's called science, you know, evidence-based medicine, which I don't believe in because it can be very easily manipulated, especially by drug companies. <clears throat> but when you observe, and, and, and the way medicine progressed over a thousand years was doctors observing patients, you know, what, and you had the luxury that you me. took two hours away for each patient when they spoke to you and you understood where they were coming from and they spoke about their issues and you actually listened. Makes it really easy to practice medicine. It really does. Um, and so that's, uh, that's how I got involved with hormones. Was, was, and, um, and because hormones control everything in the body, uh, it's a way of getting people well you know, once you understand what hormones do and, and how you can manipulate them and what's missing. And, you know, it's very rewarding to, to just hear a doctor say, doctor, my entire life has never felt this good. I mean, I, I suspect doctors don't hear that a whole lot, but I do. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that's amazing. And getting that um, that drive through a personal experience like you've had with your mother just puts a different spin to it. It puts more force, more energy for you to get to the bottom of it. Um, and you have got to the bottom of it, which we'll talk about soon about pedestrian and so forth. But I want to know a little bit more about um, optimal health. What does optimal health mean to you? What What is wow. the definition of optimal health? <laughs> Well, <clears throat> that's inclusive of a lot of different things, you know, the way a person feels. And optimal health uh, is when you're in a situation where you don't really have to rely on medications. Um, <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and optimal health um, involves nutrition. It means it involves hormone balance. It involves a, a number of different things, but it but it involves a person being proactive about their own health. Um, you know, nutrition is such a big part of health. And, and again, doctors get no training in nutrition. Um, I'm not anti-doctor. It's just that people should realize that um, there's just so much that doctors can do based on what they, they're training. So in any event, um, Optimal health uh, is sleeping well, just enjoying life. You know, there's mental health, there's, you know, physical health. But yeah, I, I think people have a, a pretty good awareness, uh, awareness of what optimal health is. 
Yeah, yeah, that's um, a great definition of not being on supplements. I think, or not supplements, not being on medication. I think that's a key one that you mentioned. Um, what optimal health is allowing your body to do what it's supposed to do, right? Well, it all comes down to what's called the quality of life. <clears throat> and if there's something that interferes with the quality of a person's life, then it's best to look at that and see if there's something that can be done to improve the quality of their life. Yeah. Um, uh, that's a good, that's a good um, explanation of. And sometimes just stopping, is. stopping medications improves the quality of life. Yeah. We have to, we have to sit down and be like, what is the quality of my life? Cause for every individual might be different, right? Well, um, are you familiar with the drug called Lipitor? It's yes. a statin drug. Correct. Yes. Uh, a lot and of Australians statin, are on statins at the moment. <laughs> and, you know, and, and statin drugs are one of the largest selling drugs in the world. And, you know, I, when I was in medical school, when I did my training, a normal cholesterol went up to 300. And at that time, there was much less heart disease. But then they came out with the statin drugs. And the problem is the drug companies couldn't get enough people on the drugs. So the drug companies decided what a normal level should be. So they lowered it down to 260 and overnight, millions of people had to get on the drugs. So the drug company said, gee, that was easy. So they lowered it down to 240, 220, 200. They actually had a normal level go all the way down to 160 because they wanted to put children on these drugs. Now, what people have to realize, I mean, these drugs cause you know, irreversible kidney failure. They cause permanent nerve damage, they cause brain damage and memory loss, they cause heart damage and sudden death. These are toxic drugs. And, the, um, and what people also fail to realize is that people with the highest cholesterol levels have the greatest longevity. They live the longest, which makes sense because cholesterols go into the formation of all hormones. Every hormone is made with cholesterol. So why take that away from people? I'm, I'm just, but... The other thing is that people should realize is that the thyroid controls cholesterol metabolism. In fact, in the old days, they used to call cholesterol the poor man's thyroid test. But doctors don't even look at thyroid anymore when it comes to uh, cholesterol. And, but if somebody has an elevated level, just putting put him on thyroid will definitely lower their cholesterol level. And that's a safe way of doing it. But this is just an example, I, you know, but... Um, we're here to talk about other things. Yeah, um, it, all, it all interlinks and we can go into it later when we find out when we talk about thyroid, it all interlinks with each other. But before we get into it, let's go back to adrenaline, right? What um, What is adrenaline and how does it affect our bodies? Because a lot of people have heard about it. <clears> and they're like, adrenaline, the thing that first pops into their heads, maybe adrenaline junkie, people skydiving and doing all these crazy things. So Dr. Michael, are you able to give us definition or explain to us what adrenaline is? Yeah, adrenaline is two things. Um, number one, it's a hormone. And number two, it's a neurotransmitter. Now, as a neurotransmitter, uh, adrenaline is actually responsible for a person's intelligence. So people who have a lot of adrenaline are very intelligent. And also, <clears throat> it's responsible for a person's creativity. And people that are creative actually have the most adrenaline. And um, so the thing about adrenaline, you know, it's important for athletes because they depend on adrenaline so they can perform. And, you know, people in the military and people in law enforcement depend on adrenaline because, you know, when they're in a certain situations. So there are positive sides to adrenaline. However, uh, the thing about adrenaline, it's a very powerful hormone. It, and, you know, people have seen people that go into a, a rage, you know, like road rage. There are all different types of rage, but it doesn't matter what type of rage you're talking about. It's caused by adrenaline. So it's a, it's a powerful hormone. And when people have all this anger and rage and they internalize it and keep it inside, you can imagine what it does to the body. Now, when people have a lot of adrenaline, you know, these are the people that have trouble sleeping. They may have trouble falling asleep and they may have trouble staying asleep. And people that grind their teeth, it's called bruxism, which is also caused by excess adrenaline. People that toss and turn, 
And people that, it's probably the number one reason why people have to get up at night to urinate is adrenaline. And even during the day, you know, <clears throat> especially with women, a lot of women find that when they have to urinate, when, when they have to go, they have to go. And on television, they call that an overactive bladder, but that's adrenaline is what it is. And in, in this regard, when you talk about bedwetting in children, the only cause of bedwetting is excess adrenaline. And you only see that in creative type children because creative people have the most adrenaline. Um, the, uh, but so the other thing about ad adrenaline, it's the only thing that causes anxiety. You know, when people, and there's a lot of anxiety in today's world. Um, <clears throat> and when people have a lot of adrenaline, they're very quick to anger. They're short fused, you know, <laughs> and, you know, remember it, it's the fight hormone. And uh, when people have a lot of adrenaline, you know, they very often get cold hands and cold feet. That's always blamed on, on a low thyroid, but it's not. That's adrenaline that because it constricts blood vessels. It cuts off blood supply to areas of the body that are not needed for survival. And that's where irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, comes from because it cuts off blood supply to the intestines. And it cuts off blood supply to the salivary glands because they're not needed for survival. And so people with chronic anxiety always complain about a dry mouth, but people should be aware about adrenaline and the salivary glands because they should avoid having you know, saliva tests for hormones because they're going to wind up with levels that are not correct. Yeah. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a condition called adrenal fatigue that you may have heard of, which is a non-existing condition, but it's all based on low cortisol levels in the saliva. And... But if they did a blood test, they would find that the cortisol levels are actually high because adrenaline is what creates stress. And the body responds to stress by putting out cortisol to deal with the stress. <clears throat> and the thing about cortisol, cortisol is not a happy hormone. And while we're talking about adrenaline and cortisol, you know, keep in mind that adrenaline peaks at 2.30 in the morning. And the reason why it peaks at that time is that the brain runs out of fuel. And the primary function of adrenaline is to raise glucose, sugar levels for the brain. And most people do not realize that the brain uses more sugar than any other tissue in the body. And anytime the body detects that the brain is running out of sugar, glucose, it puts out adrenaline to raise glucose levels. Now, when the body pours out adrenaline at 2.30 in the morning, it, cre it creates stress to the body. Then the body responds to that by putting out cortisol. And the first thing cortisol does, it also raises sugar levels now to deal with the stress. So while people are lying in bed, now they're putting out two hormones that raise sugar. And the whole thing about sugar, it doesn't matter whether you're eating sugar or if the body is, is manufacturing sugar. If you don't burn it up, the body takes all that sugar and puts it into your fat cells for storage as fat. It is the number one cause of weight gain. And nobody ever talks about adrenaline as a cause of weight gain but it's a combination of adrenaline and cortisol. I think um, you've just blown the audience mind. They're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So are you saying that adrenaline may be causing individuals IBS, that adrenaline may be causing people's sleep issues, that adrenaline may be causing people's anxiety or even causing them to wake up at 2.30 a.m.? These are all of the things that adrenaline can do to an individual. Well, that's what I'm saying. Um, you know, there's a lot more to it also. It, and it starts with babies. You ever hear of colic in babies? Yes, 100%. Colic in babies is caused by adrenaline. And these are the babies that when they're in the womb do a lot of kicking, which is also due to adrenaline. So when they're born, you know, they cry a lot and whatever. But you can actually get rid of colic in a baby in three minutes just by rubbing some progestin cream on the baby's belly. And, <clears throat> and as I mentioned, later on in life, uh, adrenaline is what causes bedwetting. And then a little bit further on, you may be familiar with ADHD. <clears throat> and at least half the children in this, in, in the, I know in the United States, I don't know about Australia, have ADHD. And, and there's so much misinformation and things that people don't realize, but ADHD is strictly caused by adrenaline. And, you know, the book that I wrote on adrenaline dominance, which is the only book ever written about adrenaline, is the only book that ever talks about adrenaline causing ADHD. And But once you know what causes a condition, you can get rid of it. So with ADHD, you can actually get rid of it in 24 hours just by controlling adrenaline. Um, and just so people 
have a better understanding. ADHD is not a learning disorder, it's an interest disorder. If, if a child is interested, he'll focus. If he's not interested, he will not focus. You know, so you find a lot of children have no interest in algebra, which makes sense because once you leave high school, you have no need for algebra. So what they should really do is eliminate it and just have it as, as an elective for those children that like math. But, you know, I know, you know, all doctors have ADHD. I, I had classic ADHD. I used to get up and walk out of class. I couldn't focus at all. And in, in high school and college, I never opened a book until the night before an exam. And, but I got by. But it wasn't until I got into medical school that I started studying for the first time. And the reason I started studying, I was interested in medicine, but there's nothing in high school or college I had any interest in. I took a course in ornithology, study birds I, that I liked, and parasitology. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so the thing about it, it, adrenaline, it, it has an, a wide ranging effect. And, you know, people may have heard of fibromyalgia. Um, in the United States, there are like 8 million people with fibromyalgia, and, and they're all told the same thing, that they don't know what causes it, and there's no cure for it. But it's the easiest pain condition to get rid of just by lowering adrenaline. And, um, the, um, and there are other conditions, like there's something called chronic interstitial cystitis, also felt to be incurable. There's a condition called PMDD, pre premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and these are women that nobody could live with for 10 days out of the month because they have severe anger issues and severe mood swings. And again, it's caused by excess adrenaline. Women that vomit throughout their entire pregnancy, they call that hyperemesis gravidarum, that's caused by adrenaline. And they have something called cyc cyclical vomiting syndrome in, you know, in children who wind up starting, they, they start vomiting, they can't stop, they have to be hospitalized. Again, caused by adrenaline. Um, and, you know, and then adrenaline, causes a lot of tension at the back of the neck. And, and what happens is it cuts off circulation to the ear and people get tinnitus. So excess adrenaline is probably the, one of the number one causes of ringing the ears. And then you have headaches. You know, <clears throat> um, there's a, a condition called occipital, occipital neuritis, which causes excruciating headaches. And it comes from the occipital nerve sheath in, in the neck. 100% of the time it's mistaken for migraines always mistaken for migraines, which are very difficult to treat. Occipital neuritis is easy to get rid of. You know, again, if people were aware of adrenaline, um, it, you know, bipolar disorders are caused by adrenaline. Um, PTSD is caused by adrenaline. Um, There's so, it, so many things right, that you mentioned now that people listening might know, be like, that's restless, me. Yeah, restless leg syndrome is only caused by excess adrenaline. That, that you can get rid of in 30 seconds. Uh, people that get cramps in their calves or feet, that's also caused by adrenaline. And neuropathy in the feet is caused by adrenaline. You, you know, I could go on and on. Um, the list seems to go on and on, doesn't it? But and, and to, to understand adrenaline, right? That's the yeah. end outcome, right? Adrenaline is the end outcome. Where does it all start? Like, where does it all start? How do you get to adrenaline? It's genetic. If somebody has problems with excess adrenaline, one or both parents have it. Um, and also, I, I should mention autism. <clears throat> Children with autism have incredibly high levels of adrenaline. So, um, yeah. So, but what, what's nice about knowing what causes a problem is that if you know what causes something, you can get rid of it. But what I mentioned very early when we started talking, doctors are not trained to treat the cause of illness. That's why nobody ever gets better. You know, which is unfortunate. And, United, and you know, uh, you know, the United States is on the bottom of the list of healthcare of all civilized countries, <clears throat> with the highest incidence of strokes and diabetes and cancer and heart disease and obesity. Infant mortality, we're number one. We, we, we're it. So. Um, and that's the United States. I don't know about Australia, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, we're probably just behind you guys. Um, in well, most you, things, you, you, so. you don't want to follow us. So. <laughs> it seems that but, we do know, want to follow you, but yeah, unfortunately, but we, but, but there are answers out there. Right. Um, and they, 
go, go on, go on, doctor. Well, I just ask that medicine has always been a passion for me. Mm. And, and like I said before, getting people well, it's very rewarding. It, it, you know, to get somebody well, I mean, that's what it's all about. And um, what's interesting, I got in a lot of trouble for getting people well. <laughs> but that's very typical of doctors that have alternative approaches to medicine. They, you know, because the drug companies don't want doctors that can get people well. It's the last thing they want. Yeah. And they're powerful. Mm. <clears throat> um, anyway, so. Yeah, 100%. So how, so you've mentioned all of those like restless legs, um, issues, sleeping, bedwetting, autism, ADHD, even an IQ, having a higher IQ. Um, and you've mentioned that, you know, it, it can be genetic because of your mom or dad's genes had it. So what is, um, what, what can, so does that mean if you have excess adrenaline, you're going to have all those things that you mentioned, or is there any other way that you can be like, okay, that's excess adrenaline. Can you do a test at home? Can you do a test at the doctors? Can you do a quiz? How does an individual know if they actually have excess adrenaline? Well, it, it's <clears throat> people that do have an issue or a problem with excess adrenaline. It's it's not a secret to them because they, they will have trouble. They have trouble sleeping, or they be quick to anger, or um, t t you know neck tension, or they, they'll know. It, they may get palpitations, you know, rapid heartbeat. Um, you know, adrenaline, like I said, it's a very powerful hormone and it's different for everybody. Every, you know, mm -hmm. some people have this and some people have that. Some people have everything and some people just have a little bit of something. And all, you know, I think, uh, you know, what people, number one, they should realize is genetic. So if they have a lot of adrenaline and they have children, their likelihood is their kids are going to have a lot of adrenaline also. But what's nice about excess adrenaline is that if you know there's a problem, it's easy to treat. And that's what it's all about, is, is getting people well again. Um, but, you know, what's really amazing to me is that, you know, I mentioned a lot of conditions, a lot. And there's a lot more, believe it or not. But the thing is, why, why has this gone unknown to the medical community? Why is it that doctors never talk about adrenaline? Why is that? Why, why is that? I, I don't have the, well, I, 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 <laughs> I, I have some suspicions, but I. Share with uh, us. Know, well, it's just, you know, like I say, doctors are not trained to treat the cause of illness. You, you know, they feel more comfortable knowing if a person has a symptom that they can take a drug for it. That's easy. They're in and out of their office in five minutes. But when you get to the point where you actually sit down and talk to a person, and understand what's going on and explain to them what they need to do that that takes time and not not a lot of doctors are able to sit down and explain to their patients what's going on and so it's a lot easier for them just to hand them a prescription mm. and say next <laughs> you know just uh, i don't know i'm just and and it takes uh, a while to actually understand how adrenaline affects the body because it's you know it's biochemical there's genes involved there's disinvolved that you have to look at the whole process to actually understand it because if we tweak one thing down the pathway it can affect the pathway dramatically in another way um you're so, absolutely right yes <clears throat> the um and people should also realize that if somebody's got a lot of adrenaline um the you can see where people will have a tendency to get involved with drugs or alcohol just to relax because it's a very powerful hormone. So these people wind up going into rehab, you know, you know, and, and spending a month or two months in rehab. But the problem is, is that even in rehab, they may be there for months. Nobody is talking to them about why they had this need to drink or, or get into drugs, you know, and yet adrenaline is probably the number one cause of it, you know, addiction. Yeah, I've heard you talk yeah. about why um, most celebrities and famous people are so creative, yet they're so addicted to alcohol and drugs. I've heard you talk Look about that. Look at the that. music industry. Like yeah. The music industry, everybody there is on drugs and alcohol, but they're creative type people. So does that um, mean when you have this adrenaline in you, if you express that adrenaline through creativity, 
you may be able to reduce that adrenaline a little bit because you're using it in a creative well, that's way. A, it's, it's a good point. But actually, um, when you actually reduce adrenaline, you can actually focus better with your creativity and become even more creative. Wow. Um, so, so reducing adrenaline does not take away a person's creativity. It, it actually enhances it. Um, you know, people in sports, you know, they, they, re they rely on adrenaline, you know, so they may <laughs> have some issues with lowering their adrenaline, but the, the but at the same time, they're going to be, you know, wife beating and all this kind of stuff that happens in sports mm. and they have anger issues. And is that why um, when when got athletes, right, for example, I've just uh, came to my mind, you've got an athlete who's, let's say, a runner, and then they retire, yeah. and then they get that belly fat because of the insulin thing that you spoke about at the start of the episode, and adrenaline? Well, what happens is they're not burning up their sugar anymore. Um, you're, but you're right about that. that you know, they're still producing a lot of adrenaline. They're still raising a lot of sugar levels, but they're no longer burning it off. Um, so I don't, want, I don't want to depress your listeners, I, but, but, <laughs> I, but, but I want them to realize that, you know, once they know that there's a problem with adrenaline, it can be very easily taken care of, Yep, which is nice. And it's <laughs> something know, that maybe they haven't thought about, you know, they've gone to this doctor, that doctor, they've done their own research and they're like, wow, I've never gone in the pathway of looking at adrenaline and how it affects me. And then hopefully by the end of this episode, they'll be able to be, have more information and able to uh, buy your book, uh, go on your website and do a little bit more research on themselves. Well, um, that's being proactive. That that's, the, that's, the, that's important if somebody's on a jury to health, you know, to, mm. to learn more about how the body operates. Um, the, um, you know, for, you know, you've heard of women that have what's called incontinence. If, if they cough or sneeze, urine leaks out or, and then there's some women that are running to the bathroom and they get some leakage and that that's called urgency incontinence and that's adrenaline. But there's another type of incontinence called stress incontinence, where if they cough or sneeze, urine leaks out. And, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, I, I talk about this in my first book called The Miracle of Bioidentical Hormones. And, um, and I've had some dealings with the medical board. And, you know, and, but you've heard of women that do Kegel exercises? Yes. Okay, you know, the, the, you know, Kegel exercises are meant to build up muscles, you know, in, in the pelvic area. And, but you can, you can Kegel exercise 24 hours a day without testosterone, you can't build any muscles. So it's a very simple matter of taking some testosterone cream and, and doing it intravaginally and then doing those exercises. And in three to six days, it's gone. It's 100% effective, okay? Mm. And at the time, you know, 10 years ago, I was probably the only doctor in the country that was recommending this. And when, just to give an idea of what I've, I've been dealing with and why I have my feelings about the medical system, they wanted to take away my license because I, I was treating stress and incontinence because, but I didn't do pelvic exams. And because I didn't do a pelvic exam, they wanted to take away my license. You know, how do you deal with, how do you deal with this kind of mentality? Um, but they, they couldn't find any patients that I had harmed. So they had to look for other things. I'm just saying, I, but pe people probably need to realize why I'm a little bit angry toward the medical system. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, I mean, they, you are getting results with your patients, Dr. Michael, right? Well, I am. But the thing is, is that I still have to de deal with it. You know, they've arrested me four times. Wow. Um, so I'm talking cr to a criminal right now. <laughs> well, no, they haven't put me in prison yet, but they, they would love for me to be in prison. <laughs> I'm but, only you know, joking. <laughs> but the thing is, but, but the medical boards are 100% funded, funded by drug companies. Mm. And, and their main concern with me is that I was taking people off drugs. But when you treat the cause of the illness, they don't need drugs. They're cured. But... You know, but the medical boards are not there to protect patients, they're to protect the business of medicine. Mm. And people need to realize that. So that's why people really need to become educated themselves and proactive 
if they're really interested in health, they can't rely on a medical system that has no interest in their being healthy. Yep. And I hate to tell them that, but that's that's the situation we're in right now. Yes. And right now, prescription drugs are the third leading cause of death. The third leading cause of death, the prescription drugs. Um, I think the stats are the same in Australia. I'm not sure if it's third. I'm not sure what number it is, but it's definitely in the top 10. Well, you know, sometimes you get the feeling it's not a perfect world. Um, Yeah. (laughs) We have to make the most out of it, don't we? So can you give us a little bit more insight about the impact of insulin and adrenaline? So when adrenaline goes up, insulin goes up at the same time. Is that right? And how does that actually affect us? Well, what's happening, the adrenaline... The reason why the body is releasing it is to raise sugar levels for the brain. And the um, and then once the body produces sugar, then the body next produces insulin. So it, so it, now adrenaline speeds up the aging process. Insulin speeds up the aging process. So I didn't go into, you know, longevity and whatever but if for those people interested in longevity they don't want to have a lot of adrenaline which will also produce a lot of insulin because they're dealing with two hormones that speed up the aging process so one of the key anti-aging things is to reduce your adrenaline yeah so we haven't talked about we haven't talked about that yet no no we haven't but if you want share with us enlighten us oh yeah well I, i would uh, I wouldn't leave here without letting people know what they need to do about adrenaline. <laughs> um, but before, we get, before we get into it, I wanted to um, ask you a question about breakfast, right? That just popped into my mind. So there's this whole thing about fasting happening, especially for, you know, women, women are fasting. A lot of men are fasting too, where they're not eating for 20 hours and so forth. They're skipping breakfast. So they're having lunch about one or two. So what are your thoughts of that? and adrenaline and, 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 and the insulin and your whole body. Now, are we talking about intermittent fasting or just fasting in general or? What, but fasting. I'll be, I'll, tell me both. Okay, tell me your I'll, views I'll, on both. I'll be honest with you. I'll oh. be honest with you. You know, every, everybody's different. Everybody is different. And, but if somebody is, is, wants to do fasting for whatever reason, and they have problems related to excess adrenaline, then they have to realize that, that fasting doesn't work for them because, the, um, because one way or the other, the body always gonna make sure that the brain has fuel. And, and the brain runs out of fuel about every three to four hours. So if somebody is fasting and misses breakfast, they're going 16 hours with, with no fuel, they're, they're living, living on adrenaline. So, if they can tolerate it, if it's not a problem for them, then that's fine. But like I say, if they have problems with excess adrenaline, see, you have to remember a lot of these people that they, they, they diet and exercise during the day, but while they're lying in bed and the body is pouring out adrenaline, they get, they're gaining weight while they're sleeping. So it's frustrating for them. So I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of, of fasting, uh, but but it, you have to remember, I deal with a lot of people that have problems with adrenaline and they don't, fasting is not the best thing for them. So it's individualized. However, if an individual has issues for, with high adrenaline, right. it could be yeah. an issue for them because then they'll be pumping more adrenaline, more insulin. They're not moving. There goes the belly fat. Now, <clears throat> the thing about adrenaline, it takes away the appetite. So That's there are a lot of people... People, a lot of people wake up in the morning, they have no appetite because adrenaline peaks around, remember, around 2.30 in the morning. Uh, some people wake up nauseated. You know, I, I had a fellow that came in to see me. He was about 47 years old. And the, the reason why he came to see me is that every morning he would wake up and vomit, every morning. Now, what makes it relatively simple, there's only one thing that can cause this, and that's adrenaline. There's nothing else that will cause that. And he also had severe, severe fibromyalgia. I mean, you just touch him and, and he had severe pain. So, so here he had 
two things related to adrenaline from a lot more but let's it, you know so the thing is is that you know he was sitting talking to me I, I had some progestin cream on my desk and i put some on his forearm and he rubbed the two arms together and and then uh we started talking again and about five minutes later he sat back in his in his chair and he looked at me and he said doc in my entire life i've never felt this good that's after five minutes but that's what I'm, I'm telling you is that it's very rewarding to get, and he never had another episode of vomiting. So you can understand that his quality of life improved. And it wasn't, didn't take a lot of work to do that, did it? No, Andrew, can you, can you, can you give us some more examples? Can you provide us with some more examples um, that you've had so the audience is able to relate? You know, every, every day I, I get emails from people, um, not only about themselves, but their children with their, with their ADHD and, and children with autism. I mean, every day I get these kind of emails. Um, you know, he just stood out my, in my mind because <clears throat> it, it was so dramatic, you know, but um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I've even had, you know, progesterone is good for dogs also. And, um, you know, How dogs so? have what's called se separation anxiety. Yes. And you take some progesterone cream and put it inside their ear and in, in less than a minute, it's gone. Because we've rescued uh, a dog recently and has hardcore separation anxiety. So that's a good one. Well, I'm just saying it, you know, people don't really understand hormones and, and the effect mm. that they can have. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, but I, I, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, people that I've dealt with in the past, I've dealt with thousands of patients, so it's hard to say, but um, there was a, a gal that had severe, something called chronic interstitial cystitis, and, and that's a condition where every time a woman, it's mostly in women, that every time they urinate, they get severe burning and pain. And uh, and be, and it's another condition that they say there's no no cure for because they don't know what causes it. But again, what causes it is adrenaline. And uh, the thing about adrenaline, it gives people that urge to urinate. And a lot of people can't run to the bathroom every 20, 30 minutes, so they keep their bladder muscle tense. And when you keep muscle tense, that's when you build up what's called lactic acid, and that's where the pain of fibromyalgia comes from. And that's also where the pain of interstitial cystitis comes from, is the muscles in the bladder build up lactic acid. And the, the, the bottom line is, um, is that, you know, I, I treated her uh, to mm. lower her adrenaline. And about two weeks later, I, I got a little thing in the mail. She sent me a, a, an Omega watch. Now, excuse me, it was a Rolex watch. And um, she was very wealthy. She, she lived in Saudi Arabia and she lived... United States, six months, six months. But the um, she, she's called me her miracle doctor because she said, I've been to doctors all over the world and nobody could help me. But, but you know, but I just want people to understand it, it, wasn't, it wasn't really a miracle. It's just understanding how the body operates. It makes it simple. You know, so can you explain well. to us now how it works? You've mentioned putting progesterone cream on your wrist reduces someone being nauseated. You've mentioned helps with autism, with ADHD, with dogs, separation anxiety. How does it actually work? <laughs> you know, I, <clears throat> that may be the first time I've ever been asked that question. Um, and, you know, the, the problem is, uh, I'm, a, I'm not a researcher, I'm not a scientist, uh, I'm, an, I'm, I'm a, an observer. So my feeling is, is that what happens with progesterone is that it takes up the adrenaline receptor sites. So it prevents adrenaline from getting to the receptor sites. Um, that's, again, not because I've looked at it under, under a microscope, or whatever, I'm just but it's an excellent question. I don't really have the answer for, but I can just speculate. But it's it's an it's an honest question. It's an excellent question, um, and 
I don't have the answer, but I suspect that because that's what hormones do. They go to receptor sites. And, and the thing about progesterone, it's mostly known for blocking estrogen. And, and Your it does favorite that, hormone, again, right? <laughs> uh, you've read my book so you, you know i'm not a big fan of estrogen so uh, but again but it does that by going to estrogen receptor sites and it's preventing estrogen from getting to the receptor site and so the here you have progesterone cream now we're talking about the cream now um, that blocks estrogen. It also blocks insulin. And I suspect it does that the same way by going to insulin receptor sites. And it blocks adrenaline. So here you have a hormone called progesterone that blocks the three most toxic hormones in the body. And nobody knows about it. You know, that doctors, if they ever prescribe it, it's an afterthought. And nowadays, doctors only prescribe oral progesterone. And oral progesterone goes straight to the liver and converts into a different hormone called allopregnanolone. So they're giving people progesterone, but it's not progesterone and people don't realize that. You know, I'm just what I'm saying, that doctors get no training in hormones. Um, it's, it's tragic. It's scary. I'll be honest with you. So you're saying it's uh, different taking progesterone orally and applying it topically. Well, that's just it. Oral progesterone is the one that goes straight to the liver. So whether it's a troche, whether it's a pill, whether it's a, a, a oil, and anything taken orally is going to be swallowed hmm. to some degree. And if it goes into the GI tract, it's going to go through the liver. And so when they give oral progesterone, they usually prescribe it at night because one of the side effects is that it causes sleepiness. And people say, well, that's a good thing. But however, you know, progesterone also allows people to sleep by blocking adrenaline, which is a safer way of doing it rather than having a, a side effect of a drug, um, you know, causing sleepiness. Anyway, um, but that's an, another example of, of why people really need to know what, what they're doing. Um, the... Uh, so a lot of people are saying, wouldn't it, would, so, cause you're putting progesterone on your wrist, it's getting absorbed, right? And you've mentioned giving it to a kid. You've mentioned also giving it to adults. So the first thing people might question is it'd be like, so is it dangerous to give a hormone to a kid? Is it dangerous to give it to a teenager or someone who's going through uh, menopause? Is, it, is there any differences because we all have different types of hormones and levels of hormones throughout all those stages? See, it all depends on who you're asking. <laughs> I'm asking you. you know, <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I love that. You know, the, you know, we're dealing with doctors and hormones. Yes. So if it's hard for a doctor to give hormones to an adult, you know they're not going to give hormones to children. 100%. And so there are no studies about giving hormones to children. And, but keep in mind that when it comes to progesterone, when the fetus is in the womb, it gets, it gets exposed to incredibly high levels of progesterone. I mean, levels that cannot be duplicated. You know? So you have to realize if a fetus can tolerate a huge amount of progesterone, why can't a child? So, but I've, I've been, I've given progesterone to a lot of children, you know, you colic and stuff like this and ADHD and, um, and bedwetters and stuff like this and without any side effects at all, none, zero. Um, but again, it all comes down to the quality of life, you know, um, on one side, you, you can say, well, there's potential side effects that have never been demonstrated. Or you can say, well, I'm going to give this to the child and make him better. Um, yeah. So in the cream, is it synthetic progesterone or is it a plant? No, this is all, no, it's all natural. This is natural. It's yam based. It comes from, from yam. Um, and, but everything in the cream is natural, everything. So, so you, so you uh, use wild yam as um, the plant. Yeah. Wild, wild yam itself cannot be converted into progesterone. It has to be in 
the manufacturer has to take the wild yam extract and convert it, but it can't be done in the body. <clears throat> yeah. So people should be aware of that also that not to buy wild yam extract is not going to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and how long have you? How long has this cream been out? Like, when did you come up with this cream? So how many years? Well, progesterone was was first established, if you will, back in the early 1940s. And it was invented by a black chemist who couldn't get a job in a, in a regular laboratory. He got a job with a paint company. And, and while he was working for the paint company, he did research on, um, on wild yams, actually, and developed the, this hormone. Um, and people don't know about him. Um, Percy something, I have to apologize. I, I don't know, remember his last name, but um, he, he's like my role model, you know, for, um, but, you know, the, what the bottom line is, is that what people should understand, it's not hard to get people well. You just have to figure out why they're not well and mm -hmm. approach whatever, that reason why they're not well and to treat, treat the reason why they're not well, you know, the cause and they'll get better. Um, um, Figure out where like the chain link. So this is the end outcome is the anxiety. Where did that anxiety come from? How is it caused and address that issue? Is that what you're saying? Well, if they have, a, if they have problem with anxiety, there's only one thing that causes it, that excess adrenaline. But, you know, but, you know, they have what are called functional medicine doctors. And their whole approach to, to medicine is, is to treat the cause of the problem. But they know nothing about adrenaline. And, you know, I started mentioning some of the conditions caused by, uh, and I tried introducing, you know, the idea of adrenaline to some functional medicine schools. They had no interest. So I, I'm just saying, it's, you know, when you're dealing with the whole medical system, it's not easy, it, you mm -hmm. know, it, to try to get doctors to learn how to <clears throat> get people well. And so that's why I'm saying that sometimes people have to become proactive and learn themselves how to get better. You know, my books explain everything to, to people. They want to get well. Um, but but I, I can't read it to them. <laughs> they would have to. <laughs> 100%. You've got to have uh, the drive to want to get better and to explore yeah. uh, your symptoms and where they're coming from and draw the link. But absolutely amazing. So if you had a few tips, let's say three or however many you think, what would be some tips to manage excess adrenaline uh, for the audience that's listening? Okay. Now, remember, the body is putting out <clears throat> adrenaline for a reason. And remember, I said that the body uses adrenaline to raise sugar levels for the brain. So the idea is, is that if you provide the brain with the nutrients that it requires, the body doesn't have to use adrenaline to do it. I mean, the idea is that simple. Now, what, what makes it relatively easy is that there's basically only two reasons why the body puts out adrenaline. You know, one is if you're in danger. You know, it's a fight or flight hormone. And, you know, when people in danger, the body pours out adrenaline. But that's a very rare reason why the body puts out adrenaline. Um, but, but again, the primary function of adrenaline is to provide sugar for the brain. So knowing this, knowing this, um, the best source of sugar for the brain actually comes from vegetables. And you don't think of vegetables as being a source of sugar, but they're carbohydrates. And they do break down into sugar, glucose, but they are low glycemic. Now, what that means is that they don't stimulate the release of a lot of insulin. Candy, candy and soda are great sources of glucose. Great but they stimulate the production of a lot of insulin, which lowers sugar levels, which defeats the purpose. You know, you're trying to raise it. Okay. So, so vegetables are the best source of glucose for the brain. And then the other fuel, which is even more important than glucose for the brain are called ketones. And, you know, your listeners may have heard of what they call a ketogenic diet. I don't recommend that. And, and the reason for that, it's a very tough diet to accomplish. Um, 
but you can get ketones directly from coconut oil or something called MCT oil, medium chain triglyceride oil, MCT oil, which comes from coconut oil. And, and these, both coconut oil and MCT oil convert into ketones. And, you know, ketones are not only a great fuel for the brain, they're also a great fuel for the heart. So anyway, so, so I like ketones. And, um, and then the only other thing they have to add is some progesterone cream, which blocks adrenaline. So you're both blocking it with progesterone and you're lowering it by giving the brain the fuel that it needs. And so within 24 hours, you can get rid of the conditions like road rage. You can get rid of ADHD. You can get rid of um, bedwetting. And it show, you know, but so all but these conditions, they require both eating correctly and using progestin cream. Now, your next question is, well, what's the downside? How did you know? <laughs> you, 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 you had that look about you. Uh, uh, have, you, have you ever heard the term type 3 diabetes? Yes. Okay. But explain to um, the audience, explain to the audience in case they have. Yeah, type, type, the other name for type 3 diabetes is, is called insulin resistance in the brain. Now, what this means is that the insulin in the brain has a real hard time getting glucose into the brain cells. Now, remember, the brain uses a lot of glucose. And so when people have insulin resistance where the brain, you, you know, it can create all sorts of problems. And the main concern about a condition called type three diabetes, is like the number one precursor to Alzheimer's. And, um, and you may have heard that Alzheimer's can be cured just by giving somebody coconut, coconut oil. I don't know if you've heard that. Uh, but again, coconut oil is a good source of ketones. And so when people have trouble getting glucose into the brain, then they have to rely on, on ketones, which also a good fuel for the brain. So, um, so when it comes to lowering adrenaline, the two fuels that you need to give to the brain, one is glucose, and that is best sourced from vegetables. And then the other fuel are ketones, and you get that from coconut oil or MCT oil. Now, keep in mind, you know, it varies, but in a lot of people, the brain uses a fuel about every three hours. So it's not a, it's not a thing where you sit down and have vegetables at dinner and stuff like this, and, and maybe some coconut oil <clears throat> for breakfast and something. You, you have, if you have a problem with adrenaline, you may have to provide it throughout the day. Um, you know, and everybody's different. And you know, keep in mind that it all depends on how active the brain is. You know, the creative brain is very active. So that may require more fuel than somebody who just sits around watching television <laughs> or something. Um, so, it, so there's no one size fits all, but people have to adjust. Uh, and also athletes, they may find that they need to carbo-load, you know, give the brain sugar, um, you know, before participating in an athletic activity. So, um, I love that. But, so you've given us three things, which is vegetables, um, and not just for breakfast, not just for lunch and dinner, but most of the meals that you're eating MCT oil or coconut oil to provide those ketones and progesterone cream to stop the receptors. So those three yeah. little things, if you do have adrenaline dominance, um, that's amazing. That that's definitely somewhere to start, isn't it? Did you say fat? I said that's definitely somewhere to start. Um, oh, to start or, with, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it is. Um, the um, I like simple. I like easy. I'll be honest with you. Hundred um, <clears> percent. <throat> I mean, the audience. People, yes, tell me. Well, people may have heard of something called bulletproof coffee. Yes. And, you know, that's coffee with, with MCT oil in it. And some people put in a tablespoon of butter, which, and all this is really good for the brain, actually. Um, and another thing that people may want to consider, uh, they're, you know, sweet potato, they're allowed to have sweet potatoes. And because they, they're relatively low glycemic, they don't produce a lot of insulin. But the best way of dealing with sweet potatoes is to, to slice them up and fry them in coconut oil. And that way, you're providing both fuels 
that people and and if they have it for dinner they can you know leave some and eat some right before going to sleep and let me remind people adrenaline peaks at 2 30 in the morning and the reason for that the brain runs out of fuel then um that's an interesting concept so so you're saying that some people may be waking up at 2 30 in the morning because they they stopped eating at say 5 p.m well the well, it, um, they're going to wake up at 2.30 in the morning if the brain is out of fuel. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether it was 10.30 p.m. or even right before they go to sleep or eating dinner around 7 p.m. Yeah. They'll definitely wake up. Um, so, um, but, you know, what, what I'm proposing to people can't hurt. It can't hurt them. You know, certain taking certain drugs can hurt mm. or whatever. But, um, but, and the other thing is, um, are you, are you familiar with the term resistant starches? Yes, but you can explain to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the best one to explain, but <laughs> resistant starches, um, are, are actually, um, good carbs that they give to their, to, to their body. And, um, and an example of this is cold white potatoes. You know, hot white potatoes are high in sugar, but when they become cold, they become resistant starches. And so people, even though they may not be allowed to have mashed potatoes or whatever, they are allowed to have potato salad if it's cold. That, that's so, <clears throat> um, yeah, so it's just something to think about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, you've shared some absolutely amazing knowledge throughout this podcast about adrenaline dominance, about progesterone, insulin, about, you know, the side effects such as, you know, fibromyalgia, autism, ADHD, incontinence, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and people will be able to find a little bit more information in your book um, on your website, um, is there any other way that individuals can get in touch with you if they want to know more? Well, um, I well, if people call the office number, which I get people in Australia, but um, it goes straight through to my cell phone actually. Um, but but there's there's uh, but if they have questions. Um, they can always send an email to questions at Platt Wellness. Platt Wellness is the name of the um, <clears throat> website. So questions at platwellness.com, they can send questions, and which I will respond to. That's very kind uh, of you. Not many individuals uh, provide that information. So it's really lovely of you to provide that so individuals can actually get in contact with you if they have questions. Well, unfortunately, I'm the only one they can get into contact with. <laughs> So, I'm it. <laughs> That's so, it. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Michael Platt. Is there anything you want to share with the audience before we close this absolutely amazing podcast for today? Well, um, <clears throat> your listeners should take everything I've said with a grain of salt. Um, you know, I, I have my own personal peeves about our medical system. And I, I, I don't want that to affect them. It, it just said, but I just want them to be aware that they really need to learn as much as they can themselves. So they don't have to rely on a system that doesn't care about them. Um, and yeah. That's a great um, way to end it. And I love that to take your health into your own hands and always ask and question. And Thank again, again if, again, if they go to the website, uh, there's a lot of information there about progesterone and, and stuff like this. <clears throat> and they can always order progesterone off my website and the books. There's also a meal plan. There's a, a meal plan to lower adrenaline on my website. Beautiful. Um, I'll put a link to that. Uh, I'll put a link to that so individuals are able to access that also. Okay. Thank you and, so much, uh, Dr. Michael Platt. Um, okay. I really, really appreciate your time. Um, and hopefully we'll stay in touch and maybe do another podcast in the future. Okay. I hope it hasn't been too depressing for your listeners, but, uh, 
<laughs> no, no, indeed it hasn't. They've learned a lot and got information about adrenaline and then they're able to access more if they wish. But thank you for joining us on a natural health podcast. And remember the missing link between failure and success is your health. Content and information provided here is the opinion of Mahela Raguse and is for information purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to provide medical advice or take the place of medical advice or any current treatment you're undertaking. Consult your own medical professionals for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the Natural Health Podcast. It is advised that you consult your doctor or healthcare professional in relation to any health concerns you may be having. Mahela Raguse does not take responsibility for any health consequences which occur from a person listening, viewing, or reading this content. And in a circumstance, Sensor Sheldon Natural Podcast, Mahela Raguse, any guests or contributors to the Natural Podcast, or any employees, associates, or affiliates of Mahela Raguse be responsible for damages arising from the information provided on the Natural Podcast. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical conditions in either yourself or others. Please note if you're taking prescription, do not stop your medication or start a new protocol, including but not limited supplements diet lifestyle changes without consulting a doctor or healthcare professional. If you or any person has a medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider or seek other professional medical advice. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something that you have read or heard on the natural podcast or in any linked materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. Neither Mahela Raguse nor the publisher of this contact takes responsibility for the possible health consequences of any person or persons reading or listening or following the information in educational content.